Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of our first season of the Red Ribbon Cattle Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Hassan, and look forward to bringing you entertaining stories and some educational information from your mentors in the cattle breeding business. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, CareSmith Creative, an expert in graphic design to meet all of your business needs. On today's show, I'd like to welcome Kevin Dempsey of Shady Brook Shorthorns, located in West Brome, Quebec. In the beef industry today, you don't think of shorthorn cattle without the Shady Brook name coming to mind. For over 40 years, Shady Brook has excelled both in the show ring and in the production of quality breeding bulls and females, and we are so excited to have Kevin Dempsey here on the show today to tell us the story of Shady Brook. Well, good evening and welcome to the Red Ribbon Cattle Podcast. I'm very pleased to have with us Kevin Dempsey of Shady Brook Shorthorns. Kevin, welcome to the show. Um, hi, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great that you could join us. And, and uh, we just wanted to learn a little bit, Kevin, about yourself and about Shady Brook Shorthorns. And I guess we'll get started with the, the all-important question of how did you get your start in the cattle business? Well, um, back, uh, um, my family, um, had shorthorn cattle as I was growing up. Um, I grew up, uh, on my family farm in Inverness, Quebec here. And, uh, we always had shorthorn cattle there. And after I was, uh, had my college completed, um, well, I had, I had started working here at Shady Brook kind of thing in, in summer times and, and whatnot. Uh, they were looking for summer help and I was looking for, um, you know, uh, farm experience away from the home farm and they just kind of made sense for me to come here um, I knew uh, I knew the I knew the farm very well I knew uh, the farm manager at the time Royce Dustin and, and Lloyd Wright the, the farm manager now I knew them very well so uh, it just kind of made sense for uh, me to come here and start uh, in the summer times and then it just uh, kind of grew from there so Great. Now, how long have you been there now, Kevin? Uh, it'll be uh, approaching close to 25 years now, I guess. Um, so full-time, that's anyways. A great, full-time. That's a great, great career, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So were you in the 4-H program, Kevin? Um, yeah, um, back home. Um, came up through uh, the 4-H, or I guess it was kind of the, the uh, Young Farmers uh, is what it was known as back then. Um, we had a local club uh, back in the uh, Inverness, Caneers uh, Mills, Thetford Mines area that uh, that you know young young farm kids could uh, could uh, participate in in you know showing and all that sort of stuff. So, and has shorthorn cattle always been your passion, Kevin? Is that the breed that you've always been involved with? Well, yeah, I've always uh, that's what we had at uh, at home. We had shorthorn cattle at home. We actually had uh, a few milking shorthorns as well. We had beef herd and and the dairy herd and back then uh shorthorn cattle were quite a lot different than they are presently they were more of a dual purpose breed that uh you know there was milking shorthorns and and beef shorthorns and they were kind of very similar some of them and and they could be transferred from one one herd to the other if they needed to be back then so uh um so yeah i just grew up in shorthorns and and it just uh kind of knew the pedigrees and and uh when i came here and it just it's grown from that so great so, Kevin, tell us about your family and where uh, they're at in life right now. Uh, my family? Well, my wife of uh, soon 
soon 23 years. Um, she's a sales representative for some um, heavy equipment. Uh, she works for a sizzle lift distribution here in Quebec uh, as a sales representative on the road. Um, my kids, I've got three kids, Sam, who is 21, who is uh, studying and working in the civil engineering field. Um, Olivia is 18. She has just finished her uh, CEGEP level here in Quebec and entering university next year um, in uh, exercise science uh, in order to study athletic therapy. And uh, Nicholas, our youngest, uh, he's 14 years old. Uh, he'll actually be helping me on the farm here a little bit this summer uh, with uh, sale cattle and show cattle and whatnot. Um, but he's in uh, entering, he'll be entering next fall, um, grade 10, secondary four. And uh, he's quite uh, pretty, he plays pretty competitive hockey right now. So through his high school, and uh, he's certainly hoping to continue that, uh, that as far as he can. So great. Well, it sounds like your family definitely has, has, you know, high visions and goals and, and are striving to accomplish them. And that's, that's terrific. Yeah. So the Shady Brook name is synonymous to the Shorthorn breed. Uh, I think that no one can think of the Shorthorn breed without Shady Brook coming to mind. And so I'm interested to learn the history of Shady Brook and the owner's background, where the farm is located. Could you share some of that information with us? Yeah. Um, uh, Shady Brook, um, the Pathy family that own Shady Brook, um, they were actually um, business people in Montreal, and they were looking for uh, a farm to get their kids out of the out of the city, sort of a uh, you know a country retreat sort of place, and they ended up buying um, a small part of what what is Shady Brook now. They uh, the main farm here is what they what they purchased and. Um, Royce Dustin was here at the time. He had worked for the previous owners and uh, they just kept him on sort of to, to, you know, take care of the property and everything. And uh, as time went on, they were decided that they, they were looking for some cows or something to, to run in the pastures and keep the, keep the pastures chewed down. So uh, Royce recommended uh, shorthorn cattle. Um, he didn't have much experience in shorthorn cattle, but he knew that they were a very docile breed and he thought that would be appropriate for a family such as the Pathies that uh, had had some young kids and and uh, you know shorthorn cattle are generally pretty easy to be around and uh, and docile. So of course, um, yes, mm-hmm. makes sense. And what about the the Pathies? Are they um, are they involved currently? Is it still a, a um, home that they come to on the weekends? Kevin? Yes, yes. Now now over the years, uh, the farm has grown quite a lot. Uh, Mr. Lawrence Pathy is uh, still very involved um, with us here and like I mean when it comes to breeding decisions and all that sort of stuff he's very involved and he wants to be wants to be very involved and is very interested in pedigrees and the cattle um, and all that sort of stuff so um, I mean they come from a from a business background they own a shipping company a worldwide shipping company so um, it may seem you know, the sh- a few shorthorn cattle here on the farm seem pretty minuscule to to some of their businesses, probably. But um, but Mr. Pathy has always been very very interested in the cattle. Um, he served on the American Shorthorn Association board for a lengthy period of time, um, and has you know has made a lot of friends, you know, around the world in the shorthorn breed. And uh, and uh, anyways, he's still very very interested in it. And uh, and uh, 
Um, like I said, he's very involved with breeding decisions and always wants to know what bulls we're using. And, uh, and uh, he's always very involved when we're looking at purchasing purchasing animals or purchasing semen he wants to be he wants to be very involved in all that sort of stuff so oh that's terrific so how many people kevin work with you there at shady brook um there is uh three of us here on the farm full-time um there's uh myself as herdsman here uh lloyd wright has been a long long time manager of the farm um and then we've got another young guy clay mcintyre that's here uh that's here helps us out five to uh, five days a week and then we've got some other staff that come in in the summertime and help out uh, with field work and all that sort of stuff as well right now you have some sales on the farm i uh can you tell us how many now we generally have a sale here every two years. There is some exceptions or there has been some exceptions over the years, um, such as a couple of years ago, we had to, with COVID and everything, we had to postpone our sales. So we went, uh, we kind of postponed our 2020 sale and then we had a sale last year in 2021. Um, this year we will go ahead and have another sale again here at the farm. It'll be like our back to our regular, regular routine sale and uh, here going forward, we will have them. We intend to have them every two years. Now on the off years, sometimes we'll send cattle to a, to a consignment sale somewhere. Uh, sometimes we have, a, we have tried online sales. Um, so all that sort of. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've, you've tried the full gamut. For yep, sure. pretty much. And how many head do you have to care for there, Kevin? How many cattle are on the farm? Um, we've got about 120 cows. Um, those are primarily all purebred shorthorn cattle. There's a few black recipient cows that have been over the years from, um, for instance, if we purchase some embryos in the U.S. that are not, uh, sometimes those embryos are not exportable down there. So we'll have them implanted uh, at, at uh, a facility down in the U.S. and then we'll import those, those pregnant recip cows here. So we've got a right. few of those black recip cows running around Good. here. Yep. And I'm assuming artificial insemination is kind of your your choice to get cows in calf. Um, yes, we do. We we try and get quite a lot bred AI. Um, that's kind of coming to a, a an end right now with cow, cows going out to pasture. Um, we also put in. We try and get in upwards to forty to fifty embryos. Um, both uh, conventional embryos and IVF embryos. Uh, we try and get those put in every year so we can get, uh, you know, advance, advance our genetic pool as, as quick as possible sort of thing. Absolutely. Yes, it's challenging for sure, but it is, you know, it, it, May 2-4 weekend seems to be the time <laughs> where all of us beef producers are pretty darn happy to open the gate and let them go. That's, that's for sure. right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So, Kevin, I know that Shady Brook has exhibited at a lot of shows over the years, and I'm wondering if you have a favorite cattle show to exhibit at. Well, I, I probably have a couple favorite shows. Um, um, certainly my favorite here in Canada would have to be the Royal Winter Fair in Toronto. Um, been going there for what seems like forever, and uh, there's so much history at the Royal that uh, it's, a, it's a pretty special place, I think, uh, to exhibit cattle. There's, you know, it's just, it'll, this year will be the 100th, 100th anniversary, so uh, we're certainly looking forward to, um, you know, participating in that um and then in the united states i would have to say my favorite would be the north american in louisville kentucky um louisville is a pretty it's so central in the u.s that uh, we get to see exhibitors from you know all over all over uh, the u.s 
they kind of Louisville is a nice central spot for everyone to go to in November. So, um, um, so that kind of works. Uh, that would be my favorite in the U.S. Uh, there's something about uh, those green shavings. I don't know whether you've ever experienced it, but going down the ramp into Freedom Hall um, onto those green shavings is a pretty, uh, pretty unique experience. Yes, I've I've been there as a spectator, and and I can absolutely attest to that. You, just a lot of exhibitors say as soon as they they head down the ramp, the goosebumps start. Yep, and that's it, that's right. Again, it's it's part of their tradition too, just like the royal is for us. That's and, right. Uh, so thankful that that you know we have the opportunity to attend those shows and that leads me into to my next um question for you a number of years ago kevin we were uh the, the, the unloading ramp uh, at the royal winter fair and um we were coming out of the new complex and we felt tired and you know our your your limbs ache and your bones are achy after being at the royal and you kind of have a little bit of a cough and you're just not feeling a hundred percent and so we were loading up and and we were there watching you load your trailer and i believe you were putting gates on the top and jim said to me and so i think you had a conversation with him and you had shared with him that um, you'd just been an exhibitor at the Royal Winter Fair and you were loading your trailer to go to Louisville. And then I believe after Louisville, you were making the trip to Agribition. And quite honestly, we shouldn't have never felt sorry for ourselves <laughs> based on what your, you know, what your next leg of your trip was like. And I, I just would like you to share with our listeners about that experience. And it leads to a lot of different questions, but let, let's start with with the health charts and and going on an, a, a trip like that um, from Canada into the U.S. back to Canada. How do you go about that? Um, moving cattle from Canada to Canada to the U.S. is actually very easy. Um, all it takes is a health chart. There is no testing required. Um, so we just get our local vet to come in and make up a health chart, um, get it uh, endorsed by our federal veterinarians. And as long as we've got our, our other paperwork, our ACE manifest and all that sort of stuff taken care of with our, with our passport information, crossing the border with cattle is very, very easy going from Canada to the U S. So, okay. so, I mean, it's, it's, um, we've done it, uh, let's see, back, you're talking about the time we went, we did the full loop in 2017. We did Toronto, Louisville, Agribition, and back home uh, in 2017. Um, and we weren't taking any new cattle back to Canada with us. Last year, however, with no royal, we went straight to Louisville and then Agribition, and we had picked up animals down in, in the U.S. and brought them to Agribition with us. There was a little bit more paperwork there because uh, we were importing new animals and we weren't just returning with, with our own animals. So there was a little bit of uh, a little bit more paperwork with that, but uh, nothing very serious. As long as, as long as your health charts are, are in order and uh, endorsed properly, it goes pretty smoothly. So right. we have, we have got into the habit of sending copies of our health charts to the border and let that vet have a look at them before we ever leave say Louisville, for instance. So they have seen the health charts before we ever leave our point of departure kind of thing. So an extra step of insurance. That's right. That's right. So when you're doing that kind of a a loop, how many people are on your crew, Kevin? How Um, many people do you need to make that all work? um, 
well, certainly, you know, at, at shows you need, you need some extras, um, just, just driving the truck and trailer, you know, that distance, I kind of like to be three drivers so that we can just kind of rotate, uh, take turns driving sort of thing is what we, what we've done the, the twice that we've kind of done that loop is, is we've got three drivers and then, um, you know, uh, last year, for instance, my son, Sam, he flew down to Louisville and helped us down there. And then he flew out to Agribition as well and helped us there. Um, we also had some extra help at Agribition because we had a few more, a few more animals that Nils had taken directly out for us. Um, so we just, you know, it takes it in a, in a, in any show string, you know, it takes, you know, kind of four or five people and, and then you, you're always trying to gather up extra help on show day. And, and, uh, we were fortunate at Agribition. We were able to trade, swap some help on, on different show days with other people. And, uh, so it makes it all it work. work. Yep. Yeah, for sure. How many days were you gone in total? Um, you remember? In, in 2017, um, I, I believe it was a month we were gone from the time we left, left home till we were back. I believe it was about a month. Um, wow. So taking in three shows and uh, a lot of miles. So yeah, yeah it takes some good management too. And and you know you got to keep your cattle healthy. You got to keep them looking fresh. That's right. Do you have any secrets to share with how how you do that? Well, um, I guess my number one thing, and I'm I'm kind of a stickler about it, is I like to keep the cattle on the same feed at all times. So I'll I will pack <laughs> I will pack a lot of feed into the trailer. Um, as much as I can get into the trailer and, and I calculate it all right down to, to almost the scoop sort of thing of what I need. And, and then a few extra bags just in case, you know, something gets wet or something spoils along the way or whatever, you've always got to have a little extra feed. Um, and then, you know, you can buy feed along the way. Um, we generally end up buying some hay along the way just, uh, just to, uh, you know, um, Give them a give them a little different taste of hay once in a while and uh, and that. But uh, grain, I kind of like to keep uh, keep them all on the same same diet from when they are at home, sort of thing. So right, yeah, schedule is important and consistency yep. too. That's right. That's right. Now, would you have two trailers, Kevin? Would one be a tack trailer and one would be the cattle trailer? Generally, you try to make it work in one. We try and make it work in one. Now, now there has been times in the past where where we've been taking a big enough string to Toronto that we have taken two trailers to Toronto, but going going forward from there, we usually just take one trailer on to Louisville or whatever. We can get everything packed in and. And we don't usually take a huge string to Louisville. You know, it's usually, you know, four to six head sort of thing is about enough um, mm -hmm. down there. So yep. well, Louisville, Lu Louisville for the shorthorn breed is such a, is such a big show. And so much of the activity is right there in the stalls that you've, you know, you've just got to be out there in the stalls and, and see the people. And we're, we're in there for a few days before the show. And uh, you certainly have lots of time to look around, and and uh, you know people have time to look at our, look at the string, more so than the than in the show ring. You know the show ring is just the last day sort of thing. Everybody gets gets through the show ring, but um, we're always there for the junior big junior weekend. So there's always uh, a barn full of junior kids there looking around and browsing around and uh, and and all that as well. So looking for next year's project. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So how many shows, Kevin, would Shady Brook attend in a year? Uh, we usually just do four or five shows, I guess, per year. Um, our show season usually starts out on our Labor Day weekend um, here at our county fair, our Brome Fair. Um, there's usually uh, um, a small shorthorn show there that we usually attend. 
or always attend. And uh, then from there, we will, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we will usually hit uh, uh, Victoriaville Expo Boeuf. Uh, we usually take a few there. You know, quite often it's it's calves or whatever that we want to get out before going to Toronto and Louisville. We like to get them out somewhere. Um, so Thanksgiving is kind of a few weeks before Toronto. So it's a good opportunity to get, get those calves out and, and, uh, um, they seem to learn an awful lot when they get to a first show and, uh, we kind of feel Victoriaville's the kind of the, the right timing for that. And, um, we've still got a couple of weeks if something does happen to get sick or whatever, well, then we can get, get them feeling back good again before we head out for Toronto and stuff. So yep, back on track. Yeah. It yep. certainly does them a world of good. That's right. Now, can you tell me what your biggest win to date is? <laughs> we've had a lot of big <laughs> i guess a lot of big wins over the years i guess um i mean um way back when i was first here full-time back in the in the late 90s uh, we had uh, a few royals there that we were coming out of there with uh you know 12 and 14 banners sort of thing with 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 strings of 10 and 12 heads sort of thing those were very big years for us um wow. and then we've had we've had many royals where we've had both you know both champion males and females and and you know those are always um while i was preparing for this i kind of went back through some of the some of our old our old champion pictures and stuff and and we've had quite a few pretty good royals and uh um Back in the, in the, I guess it would be in the mid, uh, 2013, 2014 in that area, we had, uh, several good years there. We had uh, a group of bulls that were always, uh, the hotshot bull was, he won, uh, he won that side with his mother when they were shown together. And then, uh, he was, he was maybe division champion as a yearling and he was champion as a, as a two-year-old bull. So, um, and then leading right up to just, just last year, for instance, uh, we had a very good aggravation sort of thing. So, um, so we've had a, a lot of really good days. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can really well, just makes, pick out one, but. Uh, it, it makes the, the work and the effort all worthwhile for sure. And, and I just wanted to add that I, I did go on the Shady Brook website and, and there was picture after picture after picture of champions and that's just not an easy thing to do. So I'd like to congratulate you and the owners of Shady Brook because it's, it's impressive and, and our listeners maybe know, but I do have the privilege to be the ring announcer at the Royal Winter Fair. And uh, I, I just am always impressed by the Shorthorn Show. And, and uh, the Shady Brook name is something that I've got used to saying an awful lot there. And I think that's uh, kudos to you and your team because that's a hard thing to do year after year. And, and you've certainly done it. And I'd like to touch a little bit on, you know, Agribition uh, last year and the success Um I believe that you you had many champions, um, but tell us the story of the grand and the reserve grand female, the, the cow-calf pair that Blair Allnut purchased. Can you explain that story a little bit? Um, now, that, that cow, um, she was kind of a last-minute entry into our production sale last fall. We were looking to sell just, I don't know, I think it was two or three two-year-olds in our sale. We don't usually sell very many two-year-olds, but we decided last year we'd sell a few two-year-olds. We had some, you know, some good ones that are coming up as replacements in the herd. And we decided that we would sell her. Um, now, um, Blair and his group had been here, toured through the cattle and, um, and certainly showed interest in the cow. 
And uh, so at that point, we decided rather than wean the calf, we would leave the calf on the cow until sale time and and see where she got sold to. And uh, him and he put a group together and they got the cow bought. And so then we privately made a deal with the calf to, to so that they could they could take the calf along as well. And um, so that's just kind of how that all all came together. And uh, after they got her bought and um, then they sent her out to uh, Edmonton to farm fair, I believe she won farm fair and then uh, came to Agribition and, uh, and was champion female at Agribition. So well, that's great. I, I think um, I was doing a little bit of research and, and, you know, I think that you had a, would it be fair to say the, a clean, clean sweep pretty well? <laughs> um, the short, a short uh, horn show at Agribition? Well, um, in the female show, we, we had a dominant day. I would, I would have to say we dominated um, every female that we had in, the, in our string was out there in the champion drive. Um, so that was, that was quite impressive. Um, plus, there was some females that we had sold um, to other people, like the, like the cow that Blair Allnut and his group had. Um, there was also a female, a reserve junior, reserve junior year, yearling champion that was owned by the Schutz family in Alberta. Um, they had brought her there. They had bought her the previous year as a calf, and, um, and uh, they had her there, and she was reserve division behind our Verona 7H female. So. Great. Now, would it be fair to say you've instilled the shorthorn passion in, in Sam? Uh, I've seen that he's, he's an owner and, and the prefix is different. So is he trying to, to uh, go down the road of starting his own uh, breeding program? Yeah, well, that all started, um, uh, that would have been back, uh, I guess, in 2004 when he was young. He was... Uh, he helped me out just as Nicholas is going to help me out this summer. Um, he was he was here in the barn with me, helping on on some sale calves and uh, and this this one female kind of you know we usually start out getting ready for the sale with a with a larger group that end up making it into the sale. They either get uh, you know just weeded out for one reason or another. And his first heifer that he ended up buying was uh, she was in the sale group until picture time. And then after pictures were taken and cataloging was being done, we decided this one heifer calf was going to get, uh, wasn't going to make the sale. Her picture just wasn't quite good enough. The heifer calf we didn't think was coming on quite strong enough. And Sam was always, he kind of liked the heifer. So he uh, made a proposal to Mr. Pathy and they ended up making a deal, a private deal on that heifer. And that was his first, that was his first purchase back in 2004, uh, 2000. 14, I guess it was. And, um, then, um, two years after that, he purchased one in the sale. Um, and that would have been the mother of the female that he was showing last fall. Okay. So he well, has a young kind entrepreneur of... that has a good eye for cattle, obviously. <laughs> so it all kind of started out, uh, with those two females and then he's purchased another one, I guess, a couple of years after that. And, uh, so he has his own little, his own little herd here within, within our herd. He's got a, a special deal set up here with Mr. Pazzi that he can keep the cattle here. And, uh, and last year when that heifer calf was coming along so well, uh, we just kept her with our, with our sale group. And, uh, he actually ended up, uh, um, he kind of had a decision. He's limited to how many animals he can keep here. Um, so he kind of had to make a decision whether he was going to keep that calf or keep his, that calf's mother. And, uh, so 
we saw that that calf was coming along pretty good. So we bred her back the same way to Firestorm, the Hillhaven Firestorm bull. And uh, we decided to put the cow into the sale. And uh, he got her sold to uh, to uh, head for the hills, uh, Shorthorn Farm in, in Saskatchewan. So, um, And I believe they have another uh, Firestorm heifer calf on the ground out of that cow now. So Great. So she's, she's a proven cow that has, has a great track record, That's obviously. Right. Yep. Good for him. So shorthorn pluses are just something I'd like to talk a little bit about. Um, you know, we do go down to the U.S. every now and then to state fairs, and we've been to Denver and Louisville just as, as spectators. You definitely see the shorthorn pluses almost probably higher in numbers than the shorthorns, actually, especially in Denver. And I was wondering, is that a trend? And is that something that you think there's a place for in Canada or, or, or not? Um, yes, it certainly is a trend. Um, um, we don't have very many of them here. We actually have probably, I guess we have three, three nice heifer calves on the ground this year that are shorthorn pluses. Um, it's never something that we've had a very big market here for in Canada, but I think it will come. Um, um in in the u.s you know every every breed seems to have black ones except for um the herefords of course and and charlays and and shorthorns i guess would probably be the only breeds that don't have black ones uh, so with the shorthorn plus program of course they're black and and uh black seems to be very trendy so um i guess there is a place for them i mean uh when it comes to uh, to uh, to animals being slaughtered and everything, um, certainly if they have a black hide, they they can be you know added value to them, I guess. So, um, but as far as the shorthorn plus uh, heifer show and that sort of stuff, yeah, it's growing growing like crazy every year. Seems like in the U.S. Um, so. I th I certainly think there's a place for it, and I think uh, I think it'll come here in Canada a little bit uh, a little bit behind the U.S. of course, but uh, I think it'll I think there is a place for it. Yeah, sure. We and we typically are, you know, we, we typically are behind the U.S., but not everything works in in every region and every country. So well, that that's, was oh, that's right. I mean, when I was when I was first going down to Louisville, it would have been twenty whatever years ago now. And uh, I walked those barns, and of course, at that time, the Limousin breed here was red. Down there, it was already black. Uh, the Simmental breed were still still just going red here, and they were already black down there at that time. So, um, and now we're seeing more and more black ones up here all the time. So, for sure, yep, for sure. Mm -hmm. So I got a doozy of a question for you, and it is. A question that I think a lot of people, and, and I probably should have asked it in my previous podcast, and I think it's going to be one that I'm going to use because I think it's so important for people such as yourselves that have had a long career in the business. And, and it's on the, the, the question is, who do you consider to be the best shorthorn bull of all time? <laughs> who has done the most, in your opinion, um, for the breed? Well, um Certainly, certainly, as in other breeds, I'm sure there's there is you know there's it seems like every ten years or so there's the the beef cattle have changed so much over the past forty years that uh, I would say every you know every ten years there's a new 
a new herd sire kind of that comes along that influences the breed in some sort of way. And I would say, you know, back in the 80s, we had the, the HS Rodeo Drive Bull that was very influential. And we could always turn to that bull to, you know, to change something in the herd and to fix something like that bull. He used to fix udders and and uh, he just made some terrific cows sort of thing. And then in the 90s, the Shorehorn breed kind of went through a, a phase where, where show cattle show cattle were being developed and we, we needed more hair and more style so the the trump influenced cattle trump and solution bloodlines and then there was all kinds of trump and solution sons that came along that uh, they were the they were the trendy sires to use at that time and made some terrific show heifers um, however however there was always problems coming along um, the shorthorn breed kind of got into a into a little bit of a problem with with birth weights and all that sort of stuff and uh, then, say in the two thousands, the hot commodity line has come along and and has kind of has kind of fixed that for us, I think, and uh, and lowered the birth weights when sh- you know when shorthorn cattle needed to have lower birth weights and and uh, so there's all those type of sires that have come along and and they're still coming along today. We're using a a lower birth weight bull right now just to keep those birth weights where we need them and and uh, you know we always. Um, they're uh, dead calves aren't very valuable sort of thing so uh, we've got to get them alive first and uh, so we're using we're using bulls right now that uh, that'll give us live calves that's the first most important thing i think uh, when calving cows so absolutely some of those yep. bulls that i've just mentioned are probably the are probably the most uh, you know those are the most important bre- bulls in the breed sort of thing uh, i would say over the past 20 years i would i would have to say hot commodity would be uh, would be the top bull sort of thing Great. Very interesting. So you've been in, in a part of the industry for a good number of years, Kevin, and can you, you name your biggest mentor? Um, <laughs> biggest or, or mentor. It can be plural. It doesn't have to be one person. Yeah, I guess it would have to be plural. And I guess it would all have to start with my parents. Um, they certainly instilled the, the value of hard work into me, I think. And, uh, and uh, they're still still very important part uh, part in my life sort of thing. Um, and then, I mean, going on from there, uh, when I came here to, to Shady Brook, Royce Dustin, um, he was the farm manager at that time. And uh, um, he was always a very well-respected uh, shorthorn breeder um, that uh, I think he was he was very influential sort of thing. And um, I'll throw out a couple more names of old Ontario breeders that you would probably know very well. Uh, I always looked forward to hearing their appraisal of our show string at the Royal would be Ian McRae and Emerson Clark were two people that uh, that were very very influential I would say absolutely so well it certainly you know it it we learn by by others and uh, you know seeing some of the names that you've you've made mention of um, it's it's a, an always interesting to hear the answers to that question because it takes it takes a village as they say and yeah. and I think you know I think the good part about this cattle industry is most people really want to help you out and they want to teach you what they can. They want to share with you what they can. And uh, it's, it's a pretty close knit industry that way. And mm-hmm. uh, I think as, yep. 
as our young people, you know, are coming up through the program, I, I guess I would challenge them to, to pick some mentors and go and, and stand and watch and ask questions and, and, you know, build your own skill set through, yep. through the life they've already lived and what they've learned along the way. Yep. Well, that's, it's, uh, it's always very, it's, it's fun for us to go to, to shows and, and, you know, it's always a pleasure to help out someone that needs help, um, whether it's clipping, fitting or showing, whatever, whatever it is that we can do to jump in and help. Uh, we always certainly enjoy doing that sort of stuff. So. That's terrific. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your other interests. And, and I saw a post on social media um, and you were uh, helping Jimmy Williams of the V8 Ranch. And I really am curious to hear about how that came to be. And I believe that was at Houston, correct? Yes. Um, um, last fall, I'd been talking to Catherine Williams, Jim Williams' daughter, uh, who's there at the, at the ranch. And... Um, we were just kind of comparing stories. I've known Catherine. She had came up here years ago to a uh, junior nationals that we had hosted here. And uh, so we've just kind of kept in touch once in a while. Of course, via Facebook, that's very easy to keep in touch with people, it seems like. so. Absolutely. Um, so anyways, we were just, you know, comparing show stories and, and that sort of stuff. And, and she was telling me um, about them taking a string to Houston that they would be taking uh, between 30 and 40 head of cattle, wow. of Brahmin cattle. <laughs> that, to, that's a string. <laughs> yeah, to Houston. And I was just kind of blown away by that. And, uh, and I kind of volunteered. I said, well, if you're ever looking for help for, for Houston, certainly keep, you know, keep me in mind. And I said, maybe even my boys would like to come and, and experience it as well. And um, so it was back in January. She texted me one night and, and she said, were you serious? when you said that you were interested in coming to Houston and I was like, yeah, sure. What, what, what's the timing sort of thing. So she gave me some dates and I talked to the boys about it. And, um, Sam said right away, he said, Oh, that's my spring break. So he said that would be perfect. I'd love to do that. And, uh, as we were making, um, our plans, well, then Nicholas, his spring break was there, there as well. So he said, uh, well, I'd kind of like to go too. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so um, that's kind of how it all happened is the boys were on spring break and, and I just took a week's vacation and uh, we had a kind of a slow, slow period right there at the end of February and early March uh, uh, calving here at the farm. So, so I was able to take a sneak away for a week and, um, and uh, experienced Houston with, uh, with the V8 ranch. So. That's uh, really cool. We, we ended up having um, um, 38 head there, I guess, in our string there. So, wow. So it was, yeah, it was an experience. And I mean, the Brahmin breed there um, is just, uh, it's just incredible. I don't know, there would have been close to a thousand Brahmin cattle there in Houston with the, with the grays and the reds that were there. And uh, I had never, never had any experience with Brahmin cattle before, but uh but uh, certainly, they're 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 cows, just like uh, just like shorthorn cows are, sort of thing. So right, I was just going to ask you about temperament, um, and that's what everybody says. Everybody says, "Oh, those cattle are crazy," sort of thing. But uh, but they weren't. They really weren't too bad. Um, there was a few the first couple days, of course. We see them with all breeds. The first couple days at a show, you've got some challenges with some of them, of course. But by uh, you know three four days in after going and coming from tieouts a few times they were they were getting along just fine and um, uh, there's always there you know 
there was one or two that didn't want to drink sort of thing the first day but by the you know second third day they had a water bucket to kind of figure it out so and did, so. You, did the v8 ranch have some success um in the show minimal success but um however sales um they always have on the wednesday there in in houston they have a stall social and uh, there would have been hundreds and hundreds of people in the stalls and and enjoying some good fellowship and uh, and looking at the cattle and uh purchasing semen and whatnot so so they did have success when it came to came to that yes right well what a what a really neat experience and what an opportunity that you gave your boys that yep. you could all participate as a family. That's, that's a pretty cool memory. Yeah, well, it is a pretty cool memory and, and hopefully it'll happen again in the future. Um, I think we've made some pretty good friends there and uh, we're, we're certainly keeping in touch and um, hopefully it happens. Uh, we'd kind of like to make it happen annually probably. So I can imagine. Well, that's really neat, neat story for mm-hmm. sure. Now, Kevin, what about hobbies? What do you like to do outside of the cattle barn? <laughs> well, um, as I said before, my kids are between 14 and 21 years old, so they've kind of been my hobby for the past for the past 20-ish years sort of thing. Just, uh, you know, they're very active in sports and, and everything, so it's uh, it seems like uh, there's not much time for hobbies. It's more running them to an arena or running them to, to a soccer field or, or a swimming pool or whatever, so... Uh, They've just kind of been my hobby so far, or lately, anyways. But uh, for sure, yeah. well, that's great. Yeah, I we we have two boys, and and we came up with them playing uh, competitive sports as well. And you know, I, I, you look back and you think, boy, how did we get all that done? <laughs> but yet, now that they're old enough and and they're they're beyond those years, you really do miss it because yeah. it was it was a snippet in time that that's right. Uh, that's you right. You just you you know it it's. All the experiences raising raising a family can give you are wonderful, and every stage is is a neat opportunity to watch them grow and that's flourish. Right. And yep. it's just our job as parents to try to keep up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, I've really enjoyed our our visit uh, here this evening, and it it's been great to learn about Shady Brook and and about yourself and your family. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing uh, your time with us and the story of Shady Brook. I know our listeners have will learn a lot from this and uh, I just appreciate you participating so thank you so much for being here well thank you very much Wendy it's certainly been a pleasure Um, if anyone does have any more questions they can certainly uh, I'm pretty easy to reach out to and uh, if uh, anyone has any more questions they can certainly contact me privately I'm uh, more than open to answer questions so well that's terrific well thank you I'd like to thank today's guest, Kevin Dempsey of Shady Brook Shorthorns. It was great to visit with Kevin and learn about the operation at Shady Brook and hear their stories of achievement and success. I apologize for the technical difficulties that we had when we lost our internet connection a few times throughout this recording. It wasn't optimal. Thank you to our sponsor, CareSmith Creative. CareSmith Creative is an extremely talented graphic designer who can assist you with all your design ideas for logos, ads, and social media creations. Be sure to visit his website at www.caresmithcreations.com. My podcast is scheduled to air the last Thursday of every month. I'd like to thank my listeners for tuning in to the third episode of the Red Ribbon Cattle Podcast. 
I sincerely hope you're enjoying my new adventure in podcasting. Feel free to leave me a comment on future guests to spotlight and be sure to subscribe to whatever platform you listen on. Until next time, I'll say goodbye, take care, and we'll talk again soon.